And starting today, we're actually going to venture out into a new series. Um, we're titling this series, What's So Wonderful About the Cross, fitting for the season of Lent that we're in as we look back and we kind of reflect upon the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, right? This is kind of a big deal. It's kind of the hallmark of our Christian faith. And so we want to get into it today and kind of start to unpack, you know, some of the ways in which we should, as the people of God, marvel at the work of God in Christ Jesus, specifically through the cross. Amen? Can I get an amen, people? All right. I know you got masks on, but... That's at our agreement. You guys look weird. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Well, let's pray. I need God's help today. And, um, and, and you want God to help me today. Or else this is going to be a train, work. a train wreck. Sorry. See, it's already starting. Father, we look to you right now as we get into the scriptures. Lord, we, we need the spirit to reveal truth to our hearts today. I can't do it in my own strength, God. I, I don't have enough of a gift. But Lord, I, I, I have weakness, and I know that in my weakness, God, your strength, the strength of your son can be seen in my life and upon this message. And so I ask, Lord, that you would use this message to strengthen and encourage and deepen our wonder in our amazement of Jesus. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So what is so wonderful about the cross, right? I mean, you know, many of us in this room can answer that question no problem, right? I mean, we, we, we've been in Sunday school class. We get it. We've heard the teachings, and, 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 and that's good. Uh, but there's some, I'm sure, that it's still a bit of a mystery, right? You're like, how can something so brutal, <laughs> right? be so wonderful, right? Like, I mean, I mean, the cross was horrific. It was the worst way to die in ancient culture. Um, it was humiliating and painful, excruciating, but, but, yet, but yet we're still, uh, this time of the year, always looking back and trying to connect our hearts to the wonder of this brutal thing that Christ endured on the cross. You know, there's nothing wonderful uh, when an innocent man is put to death and yet we are to look back at the cross and try to somehow, some way, find the wonder in it. So, and here's the deal, guys. The first point that I want to kind of draw out and get to using the Bible is um, as horrible as the cross was, it still, right to this day, for so many sparks something wonderful in the hearts of God's people, doesn't it? As, as, as horrible, as, 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 as horrific and gruesome. I mean, if, if anybody has ever seen the passion of Christ or, you know, you know and you've, you, you kind of could endure that whole scene when Jesus' body was broken and beaten and placed on the cross, man, your heart does anything but, you know, uh, it does anything but finds joy, right? I mean, it's just, you, you got to, like, oh, man, that is, that is, that is big. That is big. But, but we marvel at the cross not because of the beating Jesus endured, but what the cross accomplished for us, right? Right? I mean, we're not, we're not marveling in the beating that took place. We, we are marveling and we are amazed that it was God's plan through the cross to save sinful people like you and I. I'm going to move back a little bit because I spit. 
and that is just not good during COVID. I'm working on it, but I get a little excited and some, yeah, whatever. But we're, we're marveling at the accomplishment of, of what Christ secured for us on the cross. The cross was the apex of God's rescuing plan, his plan to redeem and save his people from darkness. If you would, turn with me. Hopefully we'll have it on the overhead, but I'm not sure. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Here's Paul. Although not directly talking about the cross specifically, is, is kind of referencing what the cross secured for us. Here it is in verse 13. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us uh, to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. Isn't that beautiful? You know, if there was ever a text that um, immediately connects me to my own salvation experience, it's this right here. I mean, when, I, when God saved me, I felt completely plucked out of one life and, and, and placed into another. Like, I, I felt like the old Daryl immediately just, boom, changed and a new light shined on Marblehead. I, if you don't know what that means, it's another thing that my mom says. I'm not even sure I know what it means. But God did something and I walked away from that conversion, that salvation moment, knowing that God did something. And here Paul declares what God does when he comes after us. He, he plucks us out of darkness, right? He, he takes us from the domain of Satan's grip and darkness. And, and he transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I love this. What a powerful way of putting the work of God's son into words. The redeeming work of God's uh, son into words. And somehow, hopefully... In God's grace, we as believers can connect to the excitement of all that. That, that, that. that somehow that makes our hearts swell with joy and appreciation and worship to Jesus. But you know, I'm not sure if in these days it does. And I'm, I'm not even sure that it, uh, we as the church are, are, are necessarily connecting to the fact that it doesn't. Meaning we, we, we mostly, I think, live unaware that when we think about the cross, it, it really has no bearings and power in our life other than just something that like, oh yeah, God did this through Christ. That's great. But yet the cross is the central theme of the gospel. It is meant to fuel our worship and our excitement in God because we look back and say, oh my goodness, God, look what you did. Look what you did in your son. And I have a growing concern that the church, the big C, the global body of Christ, especially charismatics, I'm sorry, I'm one, I'm, I'll throw myself under the bus. Like, we, we've kind of forgotten, we've lost the art of just wonder and, and being amazed at the sacrificial work of Christ. And here's my first point. Loss of wonder, loss of worship. Loss of wonder in the cross usually most likely equals a loss of depth in worship of God. Does that make sense? So let's get there. Let's go there. Turn with me briefly to Romans chapter 5. We're going to start picking. It's 11 verses, so I know in a charismatic church that's a lot of scripture to read in one setting. But uh, it's a powerful uh, uh, set of verses, and I think it will help 
uh, give us some understanding, okay? So I'm just going to read it, and then actually we're going to fall back there a little bit later in the sermon. Here in verse 1, Paul says this in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. If you could, if you, if you got something to maybe underscore rejoice with, I, I'd strongly recommend it. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice. There it is again, the word rejoice. If you want to underscore that or, you know, highlight it. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by who, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by death of his son... Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Do you notice a theme? Do you notice two themes within these 11 verses? Paul goes deep and wide, right? He goes far and, and deep into uh, the message of the cross, and it seems as though as he goes deeper and unpacks a little bit of what God has secured and has given us through his son, Jesus Christ, it seems like as he goes into it, he kind of unpacks a little bit of what our response should be to that work. Three times in 11 verses, you see the word rejoice pop up and you get you get almost the impression that, that as we go deeper in our understanding of the cross, what it secured for us, what Christ purchased for us, we go deeper in our worship of God. Meaning we're, 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 we're swelling, our heart is swelling with worship. Why? Because we're reflecting upon the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. When we become indifferent, guys, to the cross, we get careless with our worship. Let me say that again. When we, when we become indifferent, right, when, when we have no particular interest in the central theme of the gospel, which, by the way, is the cross, things become just a little bit tricky and dangerous for us. Why? Well, we tend to lack sincerity and intensity in our worship of God when we treat the cross with no regard. Loss of wonder... Loss of worship. Have you ever, now let me, let me give you a, just a personal testimony. I've been involved with leading worship for about 20 plus years now in the church. And I've only, for like the last six to seven, been both in kind of the pastor world and the worship world. And still to this day, I am, I am absolutely perplexed <laughs> and shocked 
when we walk into a church worship service and the people, and I'm not just, I'm not just talking about our church, but people show little to no enthusiasm at all, right? I mean, it's just startling. It's, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's, it's like going for a long ride when your tank's on empty. <laughs> like, like, you just don't do that. We just don't come into the presence of God without something transpiring in our heart. And usually that manifests in very visible, tangible, meaning you can see them. There's, but yet, sometimes when we walk into the church, there's no lifting of the hands and the heart. There's no lowering of the head, right? There's, there's no crying. There's, there's, there's just still and stoic responses. And still to this day, I'm befuddled. And you know what? I've been there when I've been in the crowd, part of a worship service. And you know what I think the cause of it, and I'll just put my own life out there, it's because I have an absence, maybe a lack of understanding certain doctrine, doctrine and the, uh, theology of the cross. Let, let, me, let me say it this way. In my own personal experience and journey, I have found over the years that my despondency in worship is often the result of being dispassionate about doctrine. I'm in a charismatic church. Good night. Let me say that again. Often I've found in my own experience that my despondency in worship is usually the result of being dispassionate about doctrine. And in this case, uh, the theme uh, of what we're going after is dispassionate about the cross. Because the cross of Christ is meant to fuel worship in our hearts. Does that make sense? Worship is fueled by discovery. Let me, let me say it again. Worship is fueled by discovery. The more we know of God, the more we worship God. A good portion of Romans is dedicated to unpacking uh, verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4, which is this. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will count not his sin. Paul declares and dedicates a lot of the book of Romans, actually the first six chapters, to explaining how our sins have been forgiven, what that means for the believer, implications, and how a believer is to respond to God's saving work. So Romans 5 comes into picture. Let's take another look at it again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we do what? What do we do? We rejoice. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. That's crazy. Who does that? So not only can we rejoice when we're on those 
mountaintops and we're in that season of victory, but the power of the cross is so great that even suffering cannot hold back our rejoicing. Oh, my, my. Thank you, God. Oh, I want to wonder at the cross. It almost seems the more Paul unpacks all the wonderful truths in glorious details of God's plan to rescue sinful people like you and I to secure a place in him through his son, his worship, Paul's worship deepens, right? So much that even rejoicing while suffering becomes possible. I got a couple people here excited about that. Come on, I wanna, I gotta believe that my faith in Christ is stronger, that, that, that my emotions are not necessarily always led and governed by what I'm going through or, or what I'm encountering or experiencing life. It, rather, if I'm on a high point or a low point, i got to believe that there's something greater about my faith that can sustain me when I'm in that valley. i got to believe it, guys. There's, there's got to be something that keeps me through all the craziness that's happening in the world, all the suffering that's going on, all the craziness in politics. There's got to be something greater. It's this. Come on. We have something greater than what this world can offer. And you know what? It doesn't look so pretty. It, it, it's, it's a man hanging on a tree, beaten beyond recognition. Where even his closest friends couldn't even, is that Christ? What is, yeah. But yet we have this hope in God that's eternal. It is not conditional. It doesn't, doesn't sway this way or that way, even in the face of suffering. So we can rejoice. Could you imagine that? That the deeper our revelation and understanding goes of the cross, that, 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 we, that, our, that our worship of God becomes more meaningful and, and, and it's deepened to the fact that even suffering could not keep us from rejoicing in God. But this is the power of the cross. This is the power of what Jesus has secured and has, has reserved for us. You know, my marriage to Bethany is a beautiful thing. It really is. But sometimes I don't always feel like it's beautiful. And I'm sure if she was up here, she would say the same thing. Marriage is a beautiful thing, but it's a hard thing, you know? And, and, and part of the beauty of marriage is the way that in which my wife compliments me. Uh, not like verbally comes up and say, my husband's so cool. But she, she like really adds a lot of things to my life that I'm missing. And without her, I would feel really incomplete as a person. And most of you are probably saying, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that, Daryl. But, you know, again, marriage is beautiful, but it's not easy. And it sometimes feels as though in marriage, uh, my spouse, and I'm sure Bethany would say the same thing, it, it feels as though we're not necessarily complimenting one another, but we're kind of after one another, so to speak. And sometimes that makes marriage a little bit tricky. Uh, but yet I found that my lack of kind of appreciation uh, of my wife is usually um, uh, the result of not truly adoring her like I should. 
Like, like it, it seems like the, the more I do not appreciate my spouse, um, the more I kind of get lazy and kind of expressing my, my appreciation, my, my love and, and my respect and really adoring Bethany the way that God has, has, has kind of arranged and has called me to adore her. And, and I can't help but think that this kind of plays out in our relationship with God as well. Like, like the, the less we kind of appreciate kind of central, doctrinal, theological themes and scriptures, the, the less we adore him. Anybody connecting with that? That makes sense. Like, like, like the more we, 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 we don't appreciate, uh, often we fall in the trap that our adoration of God becomes, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's, not, it's not flowing. There's something missing. And, and I would just add, and I would just kind of conclude that, that that actually probably is something that needs to be addressed in the church where, where the more we kind of grow in appreciation of Christ in his work, most likely the outcome of that will be growing and, and, and our hearts swelling with adoration for Christ. And, and I just, as a pastor, want to see more for our body, want to see more for us as a church because sometimes as, as a charismatic, we need all the bells and whistles, you know, uh, to kind of fuel worship. It's like, man, if the worship team just hits and, and, and picks the right song list, and man, if the sound is, is just right, maybe you'll get my, my hands lifted. You know, or if Bethany just prays loud enough or preaches convincingly enough, maybe I'll, I'll give her an amen. Come on, we play church all the time. You know, if, as long as Will is just right on key, you know, singing my favorite latest hit from uh, uh, Bethel, then maybe, maybe I'll worship God. Maybe I'll act as though I'm interested. Come on, let's go there. God wants more for us than that, guys. Because you know what? There's a lot of people in the world doing church with a lot less. <laughs> Gidgets, gadgets, and things. And man, to walk in their worship services, to talk to them about how they think and what they feel about their relationship with God, oh my goodness, it is something to behold. God wants something more for us guys here at Hilltop. He wants our worship fueled by the wonder of the cross, and so much more. This is just an element. It's, it is, you know, as a, like, in my 40s now, there, I, I, I used to, when I was younger, be about the bells and the whistles, and just like, man, if the team is right, if the drums sound good, if everything is, maybe I'll engage my heart and actually act as though I'm into this thing. But you know, in my 40s, I'm like, I can't, do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I want something else fueling my worship. Come on. Can I get an amen? 
And so this is the wonder of the cross. It's actually meant for our good so that we can sit back and, and marvel. And in that marveling, in that astonishment, in that amazement, worship the God who has given us his son, Jesus Christ, who has died for our sins. But it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than that. And we're going to get into it these next couple of weeks. Because honestly, you can't wonder in the cross. You can't marvel and be astonished in the cross if, if, you, if you really have no point of reference and no connection to what you've actually been saved from, meaning the level of your depravity and sin. We don't like those words in the church. We want to be happy. We kind of want to go through our hour and a half here at church and, 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 and not be convicted, you know, not, don't mention sin. Just tell me how pleased God is with me. And, and then I'll give you an amen. But man, you really start to really appreciate the cross when you realize the depth of sin and, 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 and the, the deepness of the pit you were in prior to God's rescuing hand and his son Jesus pulling you out. And we're going to get into it. So if you don't like talking about sin and repentance and the cross and the resurrection, then you might want to skip the next couple of weeks. But God wants our worship anchored in something greater. And, and for now, for these next couple of weeks, what we're going to anchor our worship in, what's going to fuel our worship as a church, is going to be the cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us in these next couple of weeks to marvel in that work, to make much of that work. Transform us, Jesus, and give us fuel in our guts, fuel in our spirits for worship, Lord, that is not depending on the right songs, the right lights, the right music, the right keys, the right words, but Jesus and Jesus alone. Help us in your grace, Jesus, we pray. Amen.